Going Linux, episode 439, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, our email address is goinglinux at gmail.com, or if you prefer the phone, you can leave us a voicemail at one 904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hey, Bill. Hello, Larry. Welcome back. Thank you. And to those in our audience, did you miss us? <laughs> We've been gone for a while. I've been on vacation. You've been working uh, like crazy. And uh, we're back. Yep, we're back. We're back. On a regular schedule, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's good to have you back. We uh, we both yep. enjoyed the uh, the uh, break for a little while. I mean, some of us more so than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing exciting happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nothing that we're going to share on the podcast. Uh, no. For sure. But, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we missed Easter. We missed uh, you know uh, a lot of. Uh, strange things going on <laughs> while we were gone, uh, political and otherwise. But uh, hey, we're back and we're ready to talk Linux. Yes. So anyway, <laughs> since we <laughs> we've been uh, goofing off for over a month, I think we should probably just get into it and skip the weather report. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. The weather is crazy anyway. Um, our first uh, feedback comes from Troy, who asked us for a recommendation. Hi, guys. Greetings and happy Easter. So you can tell how old that is. I don't know if this is in your wheelhouse, but I'm thinking of making a big leap and need some advice because it's a little out of my wheelhouse. Brace yourself. This is a long story, and we'll split this up into a couple of sections, and I've edited it down a little bit just to make it a little shorter. Troy writes, I have been running Linux Mint for the past 12 years on a Dell Inspiron 5737A08 laptop with two terabytes of solid-state hybrid disk storage. Uh, mostly hard disk, but with solid-state cache component to make it run faster. This computer has run Mint perfectly all this time and still runs pretty well, except now it's having some hardware issues. Some of the screw mounts have disintegrated. The cable connecting the screen had a short in it, causing the screen to change colors and flicker terribly, which I have since replaced, which is how I found out the screw mounts disintegrated. And the DVD RW drive no longer works, but I think the issue is with the motherboard since I've replaced it with three different drives and none of them work. Also, Mint 19.3 is due to expire within the month, and because of the other issues I'm having with it, I'm not sure it's worth upgrading again at this point. So, I'm thinking of getting a new laptop. Troy continues with, Now, in the last few years, I've gotten into VR gaming because of my oldest son. 
He had a nice gaming rig with an HTC Vive uh, VR uh, setup, but he has since moved out and taken everything with him. <laughs> they tend to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So we got an Oculus Quest 2 to replace it. Since then, I've only been playing games purchased through the Oculus and using it as a standalone unit. However, this prevents me from playing all the games we had purchased through Steam. Oculus allows you to connect to a computer wirelessly to play your Steam games, but you need a computer powerful enough to support VR. So my thought was, I am thinking of purchasing an Alienware M17 R5 gaming laptop from what I can find online, it should support Linux Mint just fine. It should also support VR gaming just fine. However, while I can play several Steam games on Linux, most of the games requires Windows. It is my understanding you cannot play these kinds of games by running Windows in a VM, which is what I would prefer because a VM cannot directly access the graphics hardware of the computer and make full use of the GPUs. So it sounds like my only option would be to set up a dual boot system. I do not want to partition the drive. I would most likely install two separate drives, one for Linux and one for Windows. I've never liked the idea of dual boot because, one, it takes time to shut down and restart the computer to boot the other OS. Two, you can only work in one OS at a time. Three, I've heard horror stories that when Windows does Windows updates, it can corrupt the boot sector and break your ability to boot into Linux. This I cannot have because it's my primary OS for all I do. I only plan on using Windows for gaming. So I'm wondering if you guys have had, or know someone who has had, experience with this kind of setup and would know the best way to approach and make it work. Advice is much appreciated. Thank you for all you do, and keep up the great content. Troy, a.k.a. Jack Death. Well, as a non-gamer, um, I would just say get the most powerful computer that you can get that will run the games, and looking at some of the uh, those computers that are designed to run games is probably a good thing. But I'm going to turn this over to you for your expert advice, um, uh, Bill, because you you know more about gaming than I do, for sure. Okay, so the good news is Alienware M17R5, I actually had that computer. Okay. Um, so now they've had several revisions since that time. The one I had had a very small solid state drive and then a big uh, uh, one, it was like one terabyte uh, uh, spinning rust. Uh, What I did for that was I installed um, Windows on the um, solid state drive and put Linux on the spinning rust and it worked fine. I didn't have any problems with the boot with corruption because they were actually on two different drives and uh, I never really had an issue with that computer. Uh, your mileage may vary. Uh, I don't 
if I remember correctly, I've only op- I had only opened it a few times, and I don't think there's another space for uh, like a another drive entirely. Um, but I don't know um, what revision it is. If it's coming with a bigger solid state, it was pretty small. It was like a hundred and twenty-eight gigabyte. It was small. And yeah. so I would suggest if, and it was, uh, what's the one, what's those called? The little chips, the NVMe or whatever oh, it is. Oh, the NVIDIA? Yeah. It, oh, no, it's the. Oh, 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 for the solid state drive. Yeah. yeah. If so N- NVMe M2. Yeah, M2. So what you would want to do is if you did get that, you and it's still 128, is just buy a, a bigger um, solid-state drive for that. Yeah. Uh, and then that should solve your problems. I Like I said, I never had any issues. Uh, it, I'm sure they have re, uh, did a revision on the graphics. Um, I don't know. He doesn't say if it's new or used, so it's kind of hard for me to kind of guess which uh, version he's got. And mine was... Uh, like the second revision, and they've had several since then. So, unfo- yeah. unfortunately, you never know if what works well for me uh, will work for him, because uh, you know that they upgrade the um, the guts of it uh, over time. So it might have something that doesn't work that well. I would also give him advice if you could get an AMD based machine. Their drivers are actually in the the Linux kernel and it will make your life a lot easier because sometimes the it's a little finicky to get the NVIDIA drivers to work on that machine. Um it wasn't too hard, but it, it's still a process. But if you go with the AMD-based, and I know they have some, uh, you might have a better experience. But that's just uh, something to look for. Yeah, and as far as uh, two hard drives in one case, uh, since, you know, if if it were a desktop, that would be no problem. Uh, but you do have to search around for... Uh, laptops that actually give you the ability to do that. Uh, the only limitation, two limitations. One is physical. Is there enough room in there and do they have a connector for it? And secondly, you want to make sure that the motherboard actually supports two hard drives. So, uh, and that, that may be more again of a physical. I don't think there's anything software wise or firmware wise that that needs to be on there to support two separate hard drives. It's it's just going to be, is there room in the case and is there a slot on the motherboard for the extra hard drive? And since these are SSDs we're talking about here, they're just a, a tiny uh, circuit board, yeah. basically. So you just have to look to see if your particular computer of choice has the ability to put a second uh, drive in there. So I know some of the Dell Latitudes do. Uh, I don't know if you want to go back to 
Dell or not, or whether you want to focus in on some of the uh, more robust gaming laptops. Uh, and I don't know, again, enough about the gaming laptops to recommend a specific model. But as, you know, since since Troy is a very technical person uh, anyway, um, I'm sure you've already gone through all this analysis. Uh, so I'm just going to leave you with Bill's recommendations here. So good luck. Let us know what you end up with. And uh, thanks for uh, writing it to us and asking the question. Hopefully you've actually, since we've been off the air for a while, you've probably already got what you need, Troy. So uh, let us know how it worked out. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Alienware is a division of Dell. So. Ah, right. I had forgotten that. Yeah. Um, And Legion, I think, is the one that's the division of uh, Lenovo or something, isn't it? Uh, Legion is, uh, HP. HP. Okay. Yeah. Moving right along. Yeah. Moving right along. Our next email comes from George from Tulsa, who sent an urgent message that we forward to Liam, who shared his Synology issues in episode 437. I've become an amateur semi-expert on Synology. Synology is a Linux operating system. There is a .deb for Synology Assistant, a small application which runs in a Debian Ubuntu install and seeks out all network-connected Synologies uh, we have four at work, and he provides a link which will be in the show notes. Presuming that installs a Windows 95-looking box will launch in the application uh, will have searched the network and reported on every connected Synology. Then it is possible to click on the listed, likely on the DS218 in Liam's case, and log directly into the Synology. Okay, I'll take it over from here. Uh, Under no circumstances should Liam give up on his drives. Number one, perhaps he has a computer hardware or software problem. Depending on the protocols he set on his Synology, SMB, the reinstall of Ubuntu might be a problem. Either bring in a laptop or take the easily portable Synology to another computer. There is a Synology assistant for Mac, Windows, as well as Linux. Two, perhaps he has a coincidental Synology hardware problem. In theory, he can insert his existing disks in another Synology, not sure if it has to be the identical model, and they will run. I mentioned Synology is a small Linux computer. Synology pushes the BTRFS or ButterFS format. Just say no. (laughs) If Liam has to start over, I suggest he go back to old faithful EXT4. It should be possible to mount a Synology EXT4 drive, RAID 1, not RAID 0, as an external Linux drive. Absolutely back up the Synology. Did I say we have four? Two are network-attached backups of the primary, which is our data server. The Synology hyper-backup application is excellent and easy. I also hyper-backup our primary and my personal one up to encrypted external drives connected to the Synology's USB port. 
You'll note there's a Hyper Backup Explorer application in the list of Synology desktop applications in the link above. It will open and access Synology encrypted compressed backup on external drives made with Hyper Backup. I've used it on both Macs and Linux and presume it will also work on Windows. So, um, a lot of good advice, I'm sure, from George there. So, thank you, George, and uh, good luck uh, to Liam. Hopefully, you've got your um, Synology all sorted out, and Liam, let us know how that went. Yep. Uh, that's more than Larry's wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, we have uh, Avid in India. Uh, wrote about Pi Hole. Hey Larry and Bill, hope you guys are doing good. I'm a Linux newbie using Ubuntu 22.04 GNOME and love it. Pi Hole is a very nice open source ad blocker. I tried to install it with for, uh, about 14 months ago, but the install process was very technical and way over my head. I had to hire an online Linux expert and I watched him install it using lots of terminal commands and I had no clue what he was doing. But he got it working and Pi-hole blocks most of the ads when I browse the net. Works great. I highly recommend it. Give us a report if you install it. Thanks for the great Linux content. Loving it. Cheers. Advent in India. I guess that's how you say it. So if I murdered your name, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we've had another suggestion for us to look at Pi Hole in the past, and I I think we'll do that. I just haven't had the time since uh, I've been away, and I'm not sure Bill saw the email. So we will uh, we'll take a look at it when we can, and. I don't really use ad blockers on a regular basis. Do you, Bill? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard about Pi Hole. I've heard other Linux podcasts, you know, say how great it was. But, um, yeah, yeah uh, I know they've tried getting, they've run it on, uh, like, um, what's the little microcomputer thing? Um, Pies. Oh, the Raspberry Pi? Yeah. yeah, the Raspberry Pis. I know they've run on that. Uh, they've get, It can run on that, and they've had good luck. So, yeah, if we get a yeah. chance, <laughs> I might look at it. Yeah, and I've, I've taken a cursory look at their website, and although it was designed originally for the Raspberry Pi and small computers like that, it is completely usable by any Linux computer. So uh, it's something that we could uh, we could use. I've just uh, I've got nothing against ads and nothing uh, against ad blockers, so we'll give it a try when we have a chance and yeah. uh, report back. Okay. Uh, be interested to know whether it slows things down, how well it works, how, what it actually looks like when it's working, or even if you can tell that it is working. So we'll we'll report on all that. Yeah. Moving on, David wrote in about Windows, Linux, and Chat GPT. Wow, there's been a lot of stuff going on about Chat GPT over the last <laughs> over the last month or so. Hi, remember me? I'm your expat Canadian in Israel since episode one. I thought you'd find this of interest. I asked Chat GPT the following question: 
What is a better operating system for the home personal use computer, Linux or Windows? Why? If Linux, which one? It answered, the choice between Linux and Windows as an operating system for a home personal computer depends on individual preferences, requirements, and expertise. Windows is a popular operating system that is user-friendly, has a wide range of applications, and is easy to find support for. It is suitable for people who are non-tech savvy and prefer a familiar user interface. Additionally, many software developers and hardware manufacturers design their products for Windows compatibility. On the other hand, Linux is an open-source operating system that offers a high level of security, stability, and customization. It is ideal for people who prefer a more hands-on and customizable computing experience, such as software developers or computer enthusiasts. Additionally, Linux is free, so it is an excellent option for people on a tight budget. If you are new to Linux, you can start with a beginner-friendly distribution like Ubuntu or Linux Mint. They have user-friendly graphical interfaces, extensive documentation, and large communities that can provide support if you encounter any issues. Ultimately, the choice between Windows and Linux comes down to your own personal preference and requirements. If you prefer ease of use and compatibility with most software, Windows may be the better option. If you value customization, stability, and security, then Linux could be the way to go. On regenerating the answer, it gave me this slightly different answer. The choice of operating system, OS, for personal use depends on various factors such as personal preferences intended use, familiarity with the OS, and availability of software and hardware support. Both Linux and Windows are popular choices, and each has its own advantages and disadvantages. Bill, please continue. <laughs> David continued by writing, Windows is a widely used operating system for personal computers and it offers a user-friendly interface and a wide range of software and hardware support. It is also the preferred choice for gamers since many popular games are designed to run on Windows. Microsoft provides regular updates and support for Windows, making it a reliable and secure choice. On the other hand, Linux is an open-source operating system that offers great customization and control over the system. It is generally considered to be more stable and secure than Windows since it is less susceptible to malware and viruses. Linux is also free to use and it offers a wide range of software applications and tools. However, the downside is that it may not have as much hardware support as Windows and some software applications may not be available for Linux. If you choose to use Linux, there are many distributions available, each with its own set of features and tools. Popular distributions for home use include Ubuntu, Linux Mint, and Fedora. These di uh, distributions are user-friendly and offer a wide range of uh, software and hardware support. In summary, the choice of operating system for home use depends on personal preferences and intended use familiarity or I can't even say it, uh, with the OS and the availability of software and hardware support. Windows is a popular choice for its user-friendly friendliness and wide range of support while Linux offers great customization stability and security but with potentially less software and hardware support. As I and others have found with ChatGPT, it is sometimes an error 
or assumes too much. And the second answer it says about Linux, the downside is that it may not have as much hardware support as Windows. This may still be true with peripherals like some printers, but in fact, when it comes to the actual computer, Linux supports the older ones that Windows leaves behind with every release. Your hard work, time, effort, and friendly sharing of your knowledge and skills are much appreciated. Bestest Dave. You can tell a computer wrote that. <laughs> yes. And and I agree with your assessment, David, um, that the only thing that I really would take issue with is the comment about the hardware support. It's true that Linux may not have hardware support yet for some of the newest hardware on the market, primarily those pieces of hardware that the manufacturer does not provide Linux support for, and the community has to actually develop that support. It may take a little bit longer. So when you're switching to Linux, or if you have switched to Linux, it's always a good idea before purchasing a peripheral like a printer or something like that, that you research whether or not there is yet Linux support for it. However, the comment that David makes about supporting older hardware is also true about Linux. Linux will support older computer hardware for longer than Windows, Windows does, uh, and even the definition of what is older, uh, you know, <laughs> in, when people are using Linux, older computers are like 10 years old. When people are using Windows, older computers are like four years old. <laughs> you know? And uh, they tend to lose support, Windows support, after about four or five years, whereas Linux uh, keeps those computers running for at least another five years or so. Uh, and the same thing for um, hardware. Some of the older hardware, uh, especially peripherals, uh, again, like printers and floppy disks. keyboards, those kinds of things, floppy disks, sure, and CD drives. All of those Linux continues support to support well after Windows has given up on them. Uh, and the only thing that I would caution there on older hardware is the same advice. Check to make sure that your device is supported by Linux because some of the less popular hardware out there, and so you're less likely to actually go and purchase some used, less popular hardware. Um, some of that older hardware is not supported on Linux simply because there weren't enough people to have an interest enough to actually develop drivers for those. So just uh, wise advice when looking at hardware for a Linux computer, check first before making a purchase. I will say that... Uh you have a better chance of supporting the older dev uh, devices with uh, yes. Linux. I know uh, I was just reading not too long ago that someone uh, uh, asked about uh, support for floppy drives because they had a special uh, use case and mm -hmm. it was and they actually kept it in so this person could still use linux with the floppy disk i'm sure you would not get that same level of support from microsoft yeah exactly uh and i've had a neighbor or two come to me and say hey i'm i have this old cd 
or this old floppy disk, and I'd like to get what's on there off. Can you <laughs> yeah. put it on something, you know, like this 128 gig hard drive? And I'm saying to myself, uh, you know, you probably could get all this on a thumb drive, but if you want it on a hard drive, I'll put it there. <laughs> <laughs> and those those are the reasons I keep a USB DVD uh, writer and a USB floppy drive uh, in my desk drawer just for those occasions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one of those too. Uh, yes. They come in handy. Or, you know... Um, What's the ones that you they're, – they're not floppies. They're like the um, – Oh, zip jet, drives, jazz yeah, drives. Yeah, jazz drives. You know, they, yeah. I, from what I understand, they're still supported. So – Yes. So yes. I've given away my hardware on those. <laughs> but uh, I used to have some. Uh, used but to it's have really some? it's really hard to find us. <laughs> yeah, I used to have some, more than one. Yeah, it's really hard to find a SCSI drive uh, interface uh, now. So, uh, yeah, I, I gave away all of those and uh, had some USB drive, uh, RS-232 serial drive ones as well with adapters to oh, USB. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but I thought, eh, too much hardware to keep around for the rare person who still has something on a <laughs> jazz drive or a zip drive they need to keep. Uh, I even had some of the higher speed, higher capacity zip drive things <laughs> that I was using. Yeah, a lot of money spent on those and oh, gone by the wayside. That was the next so, greatest thing, if we, you remember. Yes. <laughs> yep. yep. Oh, anyway. <laughs> that was when we had to use rocks to generate our power. Yes. Okay, anyway. Anyway. Um, Moving on, uh, George from Tulsa also sent another uh, email into Bill, uh, giving you a possible fix for your Windows 11 Linux boot problem. Kind of interested to see whether you followed this advice or whether you got some other solution. I don't know, but let's hear what George had to say. George first said, there aren't enough words with four letters. <laughs> I guess he was a bit frustrated. This might work for Bill. Turn off fast startup. And he provides a link to how to turn fast startup off or on on Windows 11. Theory is if fast startup is enabled, Windows writes its exit status to the drive, then boots from that exit status right into Windows. So it kind of bypasses what you're trying to do. Next, he writes, we have one computer with Windows 11. It has dual SSDs. One for Linux, which is used most workdays, and one for Windows, just in case there's something, less and less every day, that we can't do in Linux. I had to turn off fast startup to get Grub to start Linux. The alternative, since Linux is on its own drive, was to go through UEFI setup every time to set which drive is first boot. George followed up with another additional link and an email. We're not going to read that email. The key part of that was another link for changing the boot order in Windows in case you need that. So, what was your solution, Bill? Or is it still a problem? It's still a problem, but uh, okay. I, the fast boot on my machine has been turned has been turned off from the beginning. I knew that used to be okay. an issue. Um, yeah. The from what I can tell, and I really haven't 
dug into it like I should. I've been enjoying my uh, holiday when Larry was away uh, and um, hadn't done much with Linux uh, besides work. And what I can see is that when it did a, a Windows update, it apparently... Because uh, I had it set up where you, know, you would hit the F key, it'd bring up, you just hit, hit which one you wanted to um, yeah. uh, select, into, yeah. the boot into. Yeah. And after this uh, update uh, from it, it's completely gone. It only shows one, um, one uh, thing for Windows, and that's it. Or you can boot from uh, like a USB. So I, I don't know exactly what it did but uh, I'm working on I th I think I can reinstall grub um, but I don't know yet um, and I really haven't had time to sit down and and uh, tamper with it the, uh, the the one thing I did do is my machine is a dual boot it has an SSD and a spinning rust uh, I partitioned the um, the spinning rust for Windows, because it use, mainly uses that for storage. I keep everything installed, you know, for Windows on this smaller SSD. And I uh, took the big Rust drive and just separated it out. So I think it's just a boot problem, uh, a grub boot problem. I think when they updated it, it started uh, the uh, downward spiral. But I'll get it figured out sooner or later. Or my favorite tactic is just I'll nuke and pave it again and uh, uh, try to get it <laughs> back and running. So, yeah, I knew about the fast boot, so I appreciate that, George. Yeah, and... I don't know if you have RescueZilla or something like that on a thumb drive that could help you out. Um, if you need to make an image or you need to, I think RescueZilla uh, so, uh, will help you to reinstall Grub. I don't remember whether that's something I, I, I know it's not something I've used it for. I don't remember whether or not it will do that, but uh, there are some utilities out there that will help you do that, as well as just command line stuff. Yeah. Um, so one way or another, I'm sure it's fixable. Yeah. I didn't have anything mission critical on it. You know, uh, um, everything that was that I didn't want to lose, I had backed up to, I have a rather large uh, USB drive that I keep uh, that stuff on. So I have everything. Yeah. So, and I have it backed up to uh, an online also, you know, one oh, backup, okay. one backup is not a backup. So I have, right. a, I have a physical I have here and then I have one that's in the cloud. Uh, so uh, I'm not too worried about it. I just might, you know, I, it's more of a, a science experiment than anything okay. right now. Uh, so, anyway. So you can tinker. Yep. So I can tinker. You know me. I'll pull the uh, the bolts out of the engines when it's running. Um, so our next email comes from Rick, who let us know about Ubuntu Monte install fail. Larry, not sure how to resolve this. Perhaps you have an idea. I have a PC that will not run the live DVD and 
It's an older machine that does not support USB boot in normal mode, but it did run if you run it in uh, graphics uh, safe mode. I assumed it would okay. load the appro uh, appropriate drivers, etc. for an install, but I installed onto the hard drive and it just boots to a scrambled video screen. Anyway, to run this normally in graphics safe boot, or get it to run properly on boot. Uh, thanks. Tell Bill hi for me. 73 Rick NZ2I. Ooh. Okay. Sounds like a graphic issue. Yeah, and it could be because you're running in uh, because you're running it in safe mode. It's not loading the graphics driver for your graphics card and the graphics card that's in there, the video, uh, is not supported without the driver. So, bit of a sticky situation. Um, I do have a suggestion. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Um, so, he said it was older. Um, yeah. And this is just, uh, I'm just spitballing here. Uh, I used to have an older machine that had two uh, U.S. Uh, ports. One was a 1.0 and one was a 2.0. Uh, would not boot on the 1.0 because it was too slow, but the 2.0 uh, was fast enough and it worked. Uh, maybe he's having some um, conflict, you know, bandwidth-wise for the older from the older version of USB to the newer version. Uh, so you yep. might want to try switching his USB port since because uh, he has a, he said a live DVD. I don't know if it's external or not. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it also could be um, a bad uh, DVD if he if he can. Yeah, yeah, might be something like that. But uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to throw out some ideas. Right. So, yeah, the first thing I would check is the DVD itself. Uh, make another copy if you can and uh, try that. Uh, another thing you might try is find an older version of the Linux distribution that you're trying to use, Ubuntu Mate in particular. Uh, they're available if you search some of the older versions to see if maybe it's that particular version that has incompatibility with your graphics mode. Uh, and then maybe upgrade from there. That might work uh, if you can get it to boot from the older version of the DVD. Or try another distribution if all else fails, maybe running XFCE or something like that. I'm assuming that, Rick, since you're uh, talking about Ubuntu Mate, that's the one that you are trying to actually install. So uh, give the older version a try as well and see if that, you know, an older version of the distribution, see if that will boot. Uh, burn a, a new CD or new DVD of Ubuntu Mate and see if that works. Check, uh, uh, clean out your, your DVD uh, reader with some uh, compressed air. Make sure that the lens is clean. Yeah. Um... I don't know of any hardware way to get this to work. Um, if it doesn't boot to USB, then all the USB peripheral options are out. 
I'm assuming you have an RS-232 or some other port on this thing that might allow you to um, connect something else, but who knows whether or not it'll boot from that. So, I don't know. Um, hmm. Yeah, you say it, it's a PC. It's a PC with a live DVD, and it's an older machine. It's either a hardware yeah. issue or a medium issue. Uh, so I, I, I'm thinking. So I would go with the uh, burn a new DVD. But if you have access to another computer, burn the DVD um, on the new machine just in case. Your old machine is, uh, it's writing, um, part of the DVD is a little bit, uh, Yeah, that could goofy. be as well. The, the DVD write heads may not be in alignment. Um, the, I was thinking that he didn't say it was a laptop. So maybe installing another DVD drive or another drive that you can, um, image, Two. If you have another computer, you could get another drive, not USB, but one you can install if it's a tower, right? And uh, uh, create the live media on that hard drive. So it doesn't have to be a brand new hard drive, doesn't have to be a, even a particularly large hard drive. Uh, it could be an old one, maybe one you've replaced in the past and is still working, but it was just too small. Uh, you could That's try that, boot from that, and then, you know, leave both hard drives installed, boot from the live media on the smaller hard drive, and install as you normally would to your, uh, to your primary hard drive. Yeah, that's yeah, a good idea. Some, some possibilities. We really don't have enough information to give you anything more specific than that. But hopefully, Rick, this will uh, give you some ideas you can work with yeah hopefully that works let us know if you've got you figured it out but i think uh the uh using a, an older hard drive um with the boot medium already installed on it from a would probably be uh uh the most foolproof but that's just me. yeah yeah and if it's a laptop of course that isn't going to work unless you have the ability to install a second hard drive on there and uh, he I, I do have one other suggestion. Just um, yeah. So he doesn't tell, say uh, what software he if he's using any to write the image. So you might want mm. to look at uh, another uh, application uh, to to write to write it. I don't know if you're writing it on a Windows machine or. Uh, but there's uh, one called um, uh, no, that's just for USBs. I was I was thinking maybe you could use like uh, the Etcher to yeah. install it. It seems to work fairly well. Yeah, I know it's available on all. Our, you know, like I said, I don't know enough uh, about the details, but maybe this will give you some ideas. Well, good luck. Let us know how that goes, will you? Yes. Thanks, Rick. And that does it for our email uh, so far. Uh, we have some voicemails that we will include in our next listener feedback episode. But for now, uh, our next episode will be hopefully uh, our next part of our series on getting started with Linux. Until then, 
you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinux.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.